Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty here in San Diego. Hey guys, I'm Carter Andrews. I am on the Whistle team and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Brian is out of the office today, so Carter is filling in. Carter is one of the uh, rising stars on the Whistle Realty team, Uh, so it's going to be fun to get to know him a little bit better and just share some of the things that are working for him as a brand new agent uh, here in San Diego. If you guys have never watched the show before, the way we like to do this is to answer questions that you have for us. Uh, If you have a question you want to have answered on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there. You can join our referral network for all the people leaving California. You can subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, our uh, monthly newsletter full of agent tips, and join our Facebook group. And lastly, uh, get on our Media Mayor Mastermind course, which is still on its early bird pricing right now. So make sure to jump on that before the pricing goes up. Go to thewhistleway.com. And if you enjoy the show today, I'd really appreciate it if you are listening on a podcast platform if you can hook us up with a review on there and if you are watching on youtube hit the thumbs up button the subscribe button and the little notification bell so you get notified anytime we drop a new episode of the show or any other valuable content for you with that said we're gonna dive into this today so carter uh joined the team at the end of 2020 uh technically we'd call that like mid-pandemic um yeah we'll we'll roll with that so um, somewhat of an interesting time to get into real estate. What were you doing before that? I worked for an author uh, by the name of Ken Blanchard. He's kind of famous for writing the One Minute Manager and um, was just doing marketing work for him. So uh, lots of social media. Sorry, adjust my mic a little bit here. Lots of social media work. Um, we took his LinkedIn and went crazy with it, and it was really good. So and right. then uh, and then COVID hit, and that uh, that all went goodbye. Okay. Yeah. And so how did you decide on real estate when it was time to make a change? So back in, this would have been October of 2019, before joining the team, I was thinking about real estate, you know, already and uh, was very curious about it, mostly from an investing standpoint, but uh, just, you know, I don't know. It just, it seemed, I still believe this. I think real estate's sexy. I yeah. really do. So I wanted to get in on it, and uh, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to invest, the first place is probably get a license and learn the all of it, the whole landscape. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's kind of where I went with it. And then when I realized, you know, what agents are doing, and I had a couple friends that are agents, so I, I felt uh, like I wanted to pursue that as a as a career. And COVID COVID was a kickoff. It was great. I like it. And this is your first full year in real estate, on track to do 15 million first year. Yeah, um, which is amazing, right? You're you're on absolute fire. So that's why we're interviewing you today, right? Brian's out. We wanted to have a rock star on here today, and so we have a lot of people that watch the show, and some people are in the shoes that you were in a year ago, where you're thinking about getting into real estate. So before we dive into how you've done that kind of volume, talk a little bit about the journey of how did you get licensed how did you decide you know where you wanted to work because you also relocated yeah uh, where you were living so tell us a little bit about what led up to you getting your real estate license and how you kind of made the decisions you did yeah i'll rip through it briefly um i was living in montana for a long time nine years um i just fell in love with it i, I originally went up there for college fell in love with it uh got my bs in marketing a bs and bsing brian will agree with me on that one um and uh yeah so it was it was great and i but I felt like it was time for a change. I think when you move, you grow. And uh, so, you know, I, I moved back to L.A. And it was not the L.A. that I left. I was not into it anymore. And yeah. uh, so moved down to San Diego and also hated it. 
but then just over time it, it grew on me and um, I think it just needed a needed a chance okay but uh, yeah so loved it got started working for Ken Blanchard and um, yeah and then as far as getting my license you know I, I started with real estate Express which was just their just their online platform and super easy to do you can rip through it if you've ever done any college courses online it's the same thing you can rip right through them um, and then when it came time to prep uh, uh, use prep agent a lot of people have their podcast too shout out to them it's great uh the vocab episodes especially helped me and yeah just that was it man license how long did it take you start to finish from the time you signed up for classes to having your license in hand well there was definitely some covid delays uh you know going on when i was when i was doing it so i'd say probably and granted i was you know at the time i was employed as well so um i wasn't exactly hustling on the on the real estate express thing as much as i could have but uh, yeah, it was I don't know maybe I don't know six months. You can you can totally do it in like two or three right now if yeah. you if you're really gung ho. Okay, so you just got to fly to uh, Sacramento right yeah. now. It's the only way to yeah. get a test date. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they open that up soon. But yeah. Okay, and so you get your real estate license now. You got to decide like okay, where do I work? So there's a yeah. million options out there. You could go be a solo agent. You could join a team. I mean, you could start a broker. I mean, you could do anything you want to. Um, and there's so many different models out there, so many different brokerages. Like, how did you, like, tell us about the exploration process, and then how did you end up on our team? Yeah, this is a good question. I've had a couple of people ask me this. So I was really into Compass. Um, I Robert Repkin's a great dude. He's already flipped some companies. He's got a you know a name behind him. And uh, and, and their branding is, is pure sex. But, uh, you know, I when I was asking people, like people who are actually in the business doing this on a daily basis, not one person said go to Compass. And I thought that that was kind of weird. So, you know, what I did was I asked a couple friends locally. I have a couple friends who are agents here locally. And um, every single one of them was like, look, you got to do a team. And if you're going to do a team, at least interview Whistle, like at the very least. And I think what it is, is it was a little bit of Tom Ferry referral network kind of thing going on. And they just knew. They were like, look, this guy is one of the heavy hitters in San Diego. Like, if you're going to do this and you want to put your effort in, go to him. And so that's literally it. Multiple people who don't even know each other were, were name-dropping the Whistle team. And I was like, okay, we got to at least, uh, you know, walk through the door and see what's up. Okay. Yeah. Did you interview other teams? I never did. After okay. my first interview and I started to dive deeper and I met some of the people on, on the Whistle team, Yeah, I was like, no, nope, I'm out. I'm done. This, okay. is, this is the one for me. I think it's a really good piece of advice. Like if you're looking at joining a team, right, the team leader or the broker owner, whatever, whoever's running the operation, of course, they're going to tell you it's all uh, sunshine and rainbows, right? Like they're going to tell you everything that you want to hear because that's their job to do. What I always encourage people to do that are even looking at our team or if you're looking at joining a team is before you even go interview, and you could do it after you interview too if you want to, but just go on the website pull up the roster and just call two or three agents. Just pick, pick a guy, pick Mm -hmm. a girl, call one of each, call somebody young, call somebody old, like call a few people on the team and see if the team's going to be a fit for you. Cause it's gotta be a mutual thing, right? It's, it's gotta be a fit for you that you, that they provide all the things that you need, but also it's gotta be a fit in return, right? That it's going to be a, a place where you're going to be welcome, that it's going to provide all of those things. Like you really should do that if you're thinking about joining a team is 
yes, interview the team leader and, and get the lowdown and all of that stuff, but talk to two or three agents on the team that, have, that are there. And, and maybe you talk to somebody who's new on the team, somebody who's been there for a few years. But that's, I would say that's like one of the most important steps that I would do. I'm always surprised and people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime I'm, I'm thinking about doing something new, like I want to talk to other people who've been there, who've experienced it before. Like, I don't want to be the guinea pig. Yeah. Like, tell me what it's really like. And and I'm good with it, right? Because I know that they're going to be honest. And, and I know we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. We'll always be improving, but we'll never be perfect. And I think it's good when you can hear the fact like, hey, this and this and this are great. There's, you know, they're working on this. It's not perfect. But, but like, you need to hear that because now it's like, okay, now I'm getting the real story. Like, this is what I'm really going to get by being a part of this team. It's not just sun, uh, sunshine and rainbows like the team leader is going to tell you it is. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. What were some of the things when you did interview? Because you and I never personally interviewed in the beginning. No. You interviewed with my sales manager at the time. So what were some of the things through that interview process that were attractive to you? Well, right off the bat, um, you know, there was a lot of, first of all, I, I brought my resume because I was like, you know, it's like what you do for a job interview, right? So I brought a resume and I, I handed it over and uh, he was like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't need this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but it's got, it's got such good info on it, you know? Like, like I, please, I, I would really prefer it if you read this. It's like, no, I'm not interested. It's like, oh, okay. Awesome. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it was like a half hour interview. And and that was it. It was like, it wasn't even an interview. It was like a conversation. Yeah. And the guy was like, look, this is a cool guy. He can hang. He can chat. He can build rapport. He can, like, he, he was figuring me out yeah. without putting me on paper. And and I did like that. I liked that a lot. Yeah. And, and even before that, again, no paper. It was a video, one-way video interview. Um, which is, is a great way to show that you're tech forward, you're tech heavy, and uh, I mean everything. Everything, it was you know multiple interviews and everything was great through all of them. They were okay. all completely different and uh, not like any interview I'd done before. So okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And if you're watching this and you run a team, don't just hire somebody off one interview. Like really get to know somebody, make yeah. sure it's a fit. Um, just like, you know, encouraging Carter to make sure it's going to be a fit for him. You got to make sure it's a fit for you. I see a lot of people hire agents out of desperation. Um, I know when I first got started in 2010 was when I first started building a team. And I mean, it was like giving out loans in the mid 2000s. Like if you could fog a mirror, you had a spot on my team. Like I didn't care how old you were. I didn't care what your skill level was. I hired anybody and everybody, and then we ended up spending more time doing tech support yeah. than anything else because we just hired so many of the wrong people. And like once we really, you know, got a hold of who we are and who's a fit for us, right? Being very tech forward, then we really started to take off from there. So I think that's important is to make sure that everything meshes both ways. I think people rush into those relationships too often. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think a lot of a lot of newer agents fail to realize that you're building your own business too. Yeah, you know, if you just because you grab your license doesn't mean that you're just going to go get a job. It's not really how this, this industry works. Yeah, and so many people fail to realize that, and uh, you know, so I think that's it, it is really important to to realize that it's an interview both ways. Yeah, it's not like a job interview. Yeah, and it, I would be a little nervous too if I walked into an interview and all they did is just like we're going to do this and this and this mm-hmm. and this and this and this and you're like, I haven't even said anything you've literally just like pitched me for the last hour like if they're not making sure you're a fit that would also scare me like this should be a two-way interview back and forth right there should be some dialogue if somebody's just trying to sell you the entire time and not actually taking the time to get to know you and understand what makes you tick what's your motivation why is that your motivation 
what are the kind of goals that you have for yourself? Like if somebody's not asking you those questions, like that would be concerning to me. Now, if you're just interviewing for a brokerage and you want to be like a solo agent, fine, that's their job to do. But if you're joining a team, I would want to know, right, what what do you expect out of me if I'm joining the team and what can I expect out of you? Mm -hmm. So like if you're interviewing with the team, make sure that there's a conversation like that where it's not just one way. Like, all right, well, we're going to do all this stuff for you. And then it's like there's no reciprocation of like, well, what, what do I have to do for you? Like if they're just trying to sell you, that should be a red flag, to be honest with you. It, it should be a two-way thing. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay. Well, let's talk about, we talked about how we kind of got to be in a relationship and on a team together. Let's talk about once you join the team, right? This is probably why everybody's tuning in. I know we went through a little backstory, but I think it's important too, because I know that people watching this podcast could be not even licensed yet, and they want to know how do they get to where you are. And now I want to talk to those that are licensed and are trying to figure out how do I go from where I'm at to doing 15 million in my first full year. So let's start diving into as soon as you jumped onto the team, like how did you get in production quickly? And then how are you working on taking it to that next level? Yeah. Um, when I first joined the team, we, it was, it was odd. It was kind of the middle of COVID. Uh, we were still figuring things out. Like peed forms were like, I don't, you know, we were, we were all over, uh, with COVID and it was weird. Uh, things were on zoom. Some things weren't, it was, it was super awkward. But, uh, when I first joined, I, you know, I, I really wanted, I was hungry. I was really hungry just personally, just not, you know, not putting that on anybody else. That's just me. And, uh, I really wanted to, to do this and, and make this work. And, uh, so we, you know, licensed what the seventh engaged the 13th on the team the 19th, signed first listing the next week, one weekend. And uh, and bought like four Porsches along the way. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a, a Porsche obsession. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a small one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's only been one. It's only been one. But uh, so far. This month. So far, this yeah, month, this yeah. month. But uh, yeah, no, it's it, it was good. It, so we, we signed the listing and, and uh, I, was, I was so stoked. How'd you get a listing in the first week? Yeah, so I'll go into that. So I think what happens is, you know, in life you're paid in according accordance to the problems that you solve. And I found a problem. I wanted to solve this problem, and that was these Airbnb owners were getting, you know, they were struggling because of COVID. And they were unable to get rentals. They were unable to, you know, get people to stay, whether it's state law or whatever, uncomfortability from the pandemic, whatever it may be. And, but at the same time, so, th- so their, their rentals are doing this, but at the same time, the value of their homes are doing this. Right. So I thought, well, not everybody's going to take me up on this, but I bet a lot of people were like, Hey, if, you know, if I could, if I could sell your home for a boatload of money, would you, you know, would that kind of help you with not being able to rent it right now? You know, you need cash flow or whatever, whatever it might be. And, uh, sure enough. So I started kind of prospecting non-owner occupies and, and, uh, Lo and behold, a couple started taking me up on my offer. <laughs> That's pretty much it. How did so, you reach out to them? How did you get their contact info? Uh, you're going to laugh, but I started by literally just going through Airbnb. Then I found out that that was no longer uh, a thing. Also, Airbnb <laughs> didn't like it very much. But the beauty was that it was great because through all my research and stuff, I figured out that uh, they have to respond to you on the platform. Yeah. And if they don't, so I, you know, you get you get people to tell you to fuck off and and that yeah. stuff but uh you know they have they have to tell you something otherwise they get moved down in the in the rankings on the site so like i figured out that if i just message everybody they would 
and, uh, and then eventually I got kicked off the platform. And, but, uh, you know, that was... <laughs> At least, would you get two out of it? I got two out of it, yeah. two listings. I got two fine. listings out of it. It was great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then I figured out... Okay, so you, if you're going to use that strategy, don't use your normal Airbnb account. Yeah, make a, yeah, make a second one. Yeah, make a burner account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of little tips and tricks we can dive into there, but uh, you'll get kicked off eventually, and, and then you'll find other people are starting to catch on, and they're trying it too, so... Okay. Um, the best one was, it was the, I, I messaged an agent uh, whose name will remain anonymous on this, but uh, he was livid and yeah. started threatening. He may have even called. I don't even remember, but he was threatening to call Whistle and EXP and you know report me to the this and the car and the NAR and the, all this other stuff. And I was like, dude, I, after a while, I was like, dude, I just don't give a shit. You could have just said no. <laughs> and yeah, you could have just said no. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, I mailed him a bag of poop. It was That's great. But, I actually uh, looked into that. It's illegal. And oh well, I've researched go. it. Yeah, yeah. fortunately, yeah. you got to hand deliver it. Oh, bummer. Well, yeah. oh well, it was a it was a company I hired to do it, so <laughs> we'll leave that off the table. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it was good. It was worked for a while, and then you know, in, in most of the San Diego cities, the way I kind of continued that is uh, in most of the San Diego uh, cities, you have to have a permit for a vacation rental. So you can actually get that info from from I don't well maybe I'm not sure if every Everyone is public, but it's public knowledge. It's public info. You can go pull it from, yeah. from the county okay. or from the city. So, yeah, yeah. Most cities are going to require you to register a short-term mm-hmm. rental, and anytime people register, there's people that sell these lists. There are list brokers out there. Um, when we used to do a lot of short sales, which might come back around, who knows? Yeah. Um, we could buy list and say, I want people who have a mortgage with this company, who have this much equity who've had the mortgage for this long and I could even rule out like Spanish speaking, non-Spanish speaking. I could, you could like do all kinds of crazy stuff and buy lists. So if there's people that are having a problem, right, you found a problem at that point, which nobody was booking short term rentals, but values were up. There was a problem there and you came in with a solution. So think about who else is having problems at any mm-hmm. given point in time and go buy a list. Mm-hmm. Like just Google list brokers, like they exist. There's people. That's what they do. What they do for a living. Just go find those people. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think the problem is you have to actually do it. Right. I mean, this is all great when it's said. Yeah. We can give you all the tips on how to do this, but you have to actually go do it. You have to yeah. make the calls and and sit down and <laughs> put in the work. Those first crazy couple concept. weeks was a crazy concept. Yeah. Those first couple weeks were like sixty hour weeks. Yeah. And it paid off. Yep. No complaints. So, so you got your first couple going on your own. Mm-hmm. And then some of the team stuff started kicking in. Some of the team stuff started kicking in after I kind of became eligible for it and, you know, was was uh, uh, clear that I was putting the work in. Um, yeah. And then the team stuff is, you know, is awesome. And um, I like the collaboration side of it. I think it's probably the, the best part of it, working with the ISAs. is really great. But uh, So what is yeah. that like if somebody's never worked with an ISA before? So this is a somewhat int- unique to you because it's almost all you know other mm-hmm. than the first few deals you started. But what is it like to have ISAs, to be mm. on the team with ISAs? Yeah, so if you're an indie agent or you know some, some other team that doesn't have ISAs, it's really cool. So you know the ISA team will basically cold call and, and do, do whatever they do. I'm not an ISA, I, I just know they make a lot of phone calls. But, uh, and then you know when they get somebody on the hook that they feel would be a good match for you, they will set that appointment. And uh, you basically, you know, you show up, you go on these appointments, you crush it, and bam, you've got a deal. And it's uh, it's great. It's like it's like being handed candy or something. Right. It's, yeah, it's 
and you know, and, and shout out to our ISA team. They crush it, and we're getting appointments like left and right now. Um, yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're setting, so. they've averaged 100 a month for the last three months. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And there's some sellers mixed in there. That is not yeah. 90% buyers. That's, mm-hmm. it's like 60, 40 right now. Yeah. Buyer versus seller. Yeah. No, they, we did a listing, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Down in Chula Vista. Very yeah. cool. All right. So awesome. what else? What are some other tips for somebody who's newer? who's just getting up and running, what are some other tips to help him crush it? I think, I mean, look, I'll go back to it again. I think you got to put in the work. I think there's a lot of people that just simply don't. Um, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to poke, you know, point fingers and stuff. But I think that there's a lot of people who don't. Yeah. And, and, and it shows. It really does show. Uh, so, so, so just sit your ass in front of the computer and, and get going. <laughs> but uh, the other thing, too, I think, you know, we, we, we've never really talked about this much, and I think we should, is uh, set your S-corp up. Yeah. Like people, it's so undervalued what that brings to you and the way, just a confidence level too. Like, oh my gosh, I've got my company and I'm, you know, I'm like my own thing and, and my company pays me and it's sexy because like I'm now, I own a company, you know? Yeah. And so I think that there's uh, a lot of value in that too. And, and, and the profit you can make, or not the profit, but the, the savings you can make on the back end by, by writing things off. And uh, we were talking about the Augusta rule the other day and look that up on your own it's great um things like that i I think there's so much value in if you're going to put in a 60 hour week make sure that you put in some of it on your own you are running a business yeah um you know and and take some time to do your books take some time to assess how your business is doing too not just your sales numbers but you know are you are you tracking your mileage for example are you you know whatever it may be yeah i think the escort thing is so big i hear people oh i don't want to have to deal with all of that like know what to deal with it like you just have an attorney set this thing up for yeah. you and it's going to save you like thousands of dollars a year what do you mean you don't have time to save thousands of dollars a year like yeah it, it baffles me yeah if you're watching you're listening you don't have an s corp or the states where llcs are more prominent and you get paid as an LLC, have an llc that's uh has an s election on it mm-hmm. if you don't have that set up and you're making over fifty thousand dollars a year net like you're costing yourself some serious yeah. cash like 50,000 is about that point where it's break even. But if you're at break even, you should have it because you're going to do more the next year. So, um, and if you're an agent and you're not making that, then you need to work a little bit harder. So yeah, yeah. finance, I think is one of those things people screw up a lot. And then people don't set the money aside either because yep. right the escrow title companies, they're not taking taxes out of these checks. They're giving you the entire thing. Like yeah. you're getting the gross. You still got to pay the taxes on that to where you get to actually the net like people are used to with the W-2. So you got to make sure you're setting money aside as well. Now, depending on how conservative or aggressive you are with it, I always recommend you set about 20% of your income aside because if you get smart with taxes, you're not, that should yeah. be plenty of money. But if you set 20% of your gross income aside, that should give you what you need to cover the actual taxes once you factor in all your write-offs and everything. Um, But that's some advice too. Don't, because, and I'll be admitted, like, I used to wait until April would roll around. I'd be like, shit, how many deals am I going to close this month? Am I going to, and every deal I'd close in April would be like, what would pay my tax bill? Because I didn't ever like set money aside. So then, like, or it might even be March and April. Like, March and April, I made no money because all the checks I got in March and April were just going into an account to make sure I had enough to cover the tax bill that was due April 15th. So, Set some money aside. Maybe you put it into, you know, a mutual fund or something that's relatively liquid that you can pull the money out of when the time comes. So you're earning something on it. But mm-hmm. actually, set some money aside. Like it's it's crazy how 
often that doesn't happen. And then agents, you know, now they have a great year, but they didn't set any money aside. Then they uh, end up missing their tax payment. Now you have penalties on yep. it. And now it's like, well, this sucks. So that yeah. whole like freedom that everybody wants about being a realtor starts to change when you're like, oh, I didn't realize I have to do this. I have to do that. So yeah, S Corp, set money aside for taxes. What else? Any other big tips? Um, just on that one too, there's a great book you can read by Tom Wheelwright. It's called uh, Tax-Free Wealth. And he, so Tom Wheelwright is uh, Robert Kiyosaki CPA so of, rich, of uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad fame. Uh, on, great book, recommend it. Um, it'll help you out with the S Corp thing and figuring out uh, you know, how to do everything really. Um, as far as you know, getting going and new agent life, uh, gosh, just pick up your phone, just put in the work, build yeah. confidence with you know clients, and I think one of the key things is, um, and this is just a, a personal observation, but I think I think being extremely nonchalant with your clients goes a long way. Nobody wants to listen to the guy or or trust the guy who is you know always trying to solve every problem instead of just going no. Oh, it's not a problem. Yeah. No big deal. You know, and I think that that goes a long way with making the making the client feel good. Yeah. Confident about what, you know, working with you and um, you know, as a new agent, especially if you're younger, you know, is I'm a little older, I'm 30, but uh, you know, if you're a younger new yeah, agent, Yeah, just said that just for those that are like screw him. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, you I'll explain it in a minute, but you yeah. know, there's 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 people getting licensed at 18 years old, you know, and Look, I mean, I, I just bought a house, right? I mean, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could trust an 18-year-old with my, with my deal. Right. I just, I, so I think if you can come in and really show that, that you're confident and you're nonchalant, it's not a problem. You can kind of build that trust with your client. Like and uh, yeah, so I think that that's huge for, for anyone younger or, or older who's a new agent. You know, yeah. they're going to ask, like, how many deals have you done? How do you, you know, how do you do this? And you can yeah. lean on your team and say, well, my, you know, my team's done 400 and whatever last year and. And, you know, so, and then usually you can kind of blow the question off. And if they ask, how long have you been an agent? Oh, it feels like forever now. You know, yep. you just do the <laughs> gloss back in time. And, yeah, so, um, you know, you, we all have to do that, whether you're 18 or you're 30 or you're whatever. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think just being being calm and collected and, and really leaning on your education and your team. Well, before we wrap, the one other thing I want to point out that I'm watching you do that I know is going to pay dividends is your networking, mm. right? I know that luxury is an area that you want to be. You're putting yourself into the right places to be in that luxury space, right? A lot of agents are like, I want to do luxury. And driving, no offense to those of you that drive, but like a Honda Civic. And you're eating at like Chili's every day. And you live in a, you're living in a, a rough part of town. Like that makes it tough. Like if you want to be in the luxury space, you got to be a part of that lifestyle because people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And that mm -hmm. tends to be people that are like them. So if you want to work with those people, get yourself into their world, getting yourself in their world. Right. We talked about you having a Porsche, like you're one, you got the car, right? And now people are like, oh, you don't need a fancy car. Okay, fine. You can fight me on it. I'll, I'll, I know where I stand on it. If you think it doesn't matter, that's up to you. Uh, it matters. Now you have the card. Now you're joining the car club. You're going to the events where you're parking your car next to somebody's Bentley, next to somebody's Ferrari, next to somebody's Maserati, right? You're networking with these people. 
Um, and you start going to the other events that kind of spin off of that. The people that you meet at that event, they're like, oh, we're doing this art auction. We're going to go have drinks at the country club. We're going to yeah. go do this, right? Like you get yourself into that world. That's how you start to do deals with those people that live in that world. So I, I'm watching you do it and I'm, I'm loving seeing it. And I just want to be there to support it because I know that that's what your ultimate goal is and, and you're doing all the right things. And it's going to be fun to watch that kind of blossom over time. So appreciate it, dude. Yeah, no, it's been fun. The uh, the car thing is already paying off, and we can laugh about that all we want. But uh, I showed up with that thing at Cars and Coffee a couple of weeks ago, and everyone is that a is that a GT3? What is it? Didn't this guy didn't even have a car before? Like, you know, he was get, Ubering here. Yeah, <laughs> now all the Ogara people are all over it. And, you know, yeah. it's, he was Ubering here. Definitely didn't Uber there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's. Uh, but I think it's I think that's true of anything. You can network. You know, look, luxury sexy, but you know what else is sexy? Making money and helping others make money. And uh, and you can you know uh, think about like if you're if you're former military network you know that's a that's a huge network and that's not going to be high dollar amounts generally but you can do some serious volume in that and there's people on our team who do and they're really yep. great at it so like I think finding your network and just finding what you want to do and having a direction yeah. is probably really the lesson there more than anything uh, my directions just it's just that yeah. but not everybody's will be and I think that. You know, if you think about it, find what you want to do and just follow it. I love that. If people want to stay connected with you, I know you're big on Instagram. What's your uh, Instagram handle? It's Mr. Cartera, Mr. Dot Cartera, C-A-R-T-E-R-A. So yeah. stay connected with them on there. Um, before we dive into our widget of the week, I just want to say if you enjoyed the show today, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell uh, so you get updated on future episodes of the show if you're listening on a podcast flat platform make sure to hook us up with a review on there um, that stuff goes a really long way if you have questions you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show you can always go to the whistleway.com ask us questions subscribe to the podcast the youtube channel referral network get on our video course all that fun stuff on there um, the whistleway.com and then before we wrap carter whistle widget of the week this is something we use in our business that either saves us time makes us more money or helps us have more fun what do you got for us yeah, so I was briefed on this question. I've got I've got some small ones, a couple, a few, I think. Well, we're just going one today. Uh, just one. Just one. Just, just one. one. Well, Pick your favorite. All right. So I've been trying this stuff. Actually, I asked you about this months ago too. I've been trying this stuff by a company called Neurohacker, and it's a it's like a it's called Qualia Mind. So what do you call this? It's like it's like a supplement. It's right? a nootropic. Yeah, it's a nootropic. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And at first, I was like, oh, this is you know, this is crap. But uh, Man, after a couple of days, it's you're a machine all day long. Yeah. I, I'll never go back. It's it's like coffee, but without the hit and the jitters and without the, the crash. And it just, oh my gosh, all day, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. nonstop. And then you just slowly come down at the end of the day. And yeah. Yeah. Game What's the name of changing. it? It's by a company called Neurohacker, and it's called Qualia Mind. Qualia Mind. It's like 60 bucks a bottle, but a bottle will easily last you a month. I like it. It's good stuff. Cool. Uh, mine today is something that you should have in your office. You might even have one at your home, uh, but it's just something that we use a lot in the office. We have them on all of our TV screens around the office, um, and it allows us to um, project things onto a screen, whether it be a TV screen or drop-down screen, and it is an Apple TV. And I think these are something that you should have around your office. The thing I like about the Apple TVs is um, pretty much everybody is on Apple products at this point whether they're on MacBooks or they're on Apple um, iPhones, right? And the beauty is when we do masterminds and stuff like that, it's really fun that everybody in the room can share onto 
the Apple TV. So we've done a lot of stuff where we'll go around the room and say like, all right, what's working for you? And you could pull up, you know, something that you're doing on your phone. Oh, I'm using this app and it's really cool when I do this and I do this. And then the next person could go and they could be on their laptop and they could, you know, share their information up onto the screen and airplay it like really, really cool. So I strongly recommend you can get them for like a hundred bucks. Now, if you just get the old version, which works perfectly fine, um, you can get the old version for like a hundred bucks now. So uh, we have them on literally every screen in our office, and it just makes it nice when you're meeting with clients to be able to pop stuff up on the screen quickly, whether it's your phone, whether it's your, your laptop. So just grab some of those for like $100 right now. Uh, pick up an Apple TV. Well, cool. Hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of the show today. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to tune in to this episode of the Whistle Way Podcast.